Resorts, homes and a newly built hospital have been washed away. No electricity, nothing whatsoever. We need to be prepared for the future. I'm just holding on for dear life here. This isn't fun. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared. Plan this time before disaster strike. Every natural disaster gets worse. What happens when something goes wrong and how do they respond to it? And make sure everyone's safety comes first. Save what for dream. You must ready. Clearing roads, restoring critical infrastructure. Eventually, I know it's going to hit. It's only a matter of time. Helping your community. Helping your family. Helping you. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared. Hi, I'm Fred Hooper and this is Pacific Prepared. It's a show all about natural disasters, how you've survived them and how people across the Pacific are preparing for them. Each week we work with local reporters so they get it. They understand what everyone is going through during a disaster. Today we'll hear from someone using her guitar to help get messages of the Pacific out to the rest of the world. You say so much but never Also, flooding at Fiji at this time of year isn't really that unusual, but at the moment it just doesn't seem to want to let up. We'll take you to the ground in Fiji and find out exactly what's been happening there. That's all coming up. This is Pacific Prepared. People's lives have been affected by a disaster. Know what to do. Know what to do. Know what to do. Clearing roads, restoring critical infrastructure. All the signs are coming. So we have to prepare. Be prepared. Pacific prepared. If you're listening to this in or around Fiji, you'll be well aware that there's been a lot of rain in Fiji recently. And especially in the western districts, they've had a lot of flooding and experiencing very high tides recently too. Lethe Mavono is an ABC reporter based in Suva in Fiji. I spoke to her recently to find out how people were coping on the ground with what seems like weeks of rain. It has been raining for about two weeks now. We've had an active trough of low pressure uh, moving towards the group and then lying right over the group of last week. So last week was when we had some record rainfall and it caused uh, quite a lot of uh, bad uh, flooding and and inundation as well. So it's been a good two weeks. This uh, week had looked like it might improve, but um, we were now overcast once again. Uh, Where have the worst impacted areas been? Because we've seen a few different areas have been hit with sort of, I guess, flash flooding by the looks of it. But where have the really bad areas been? The most flood-prone areas of Fiji tend to be in the western division. Although here in in the in the central uh, northern uh, area, we do have uh, a lot of marsh area that tends to be over flooded as well. Uh, but it's really been the western division. So we're talking about places beginning in Lotoka, the city right next to our gateway town Nandi, heading all the way down to the um, uh, north uh, western side of Fiji, and so that's where a 
lot of the winds are coming from. We're getting um, some uh, pretty strong northwesterlies that continue to uh, make things difficult for the people in that area because aside from being a flood-prone area, um, it's also where a lot of the systems that have come off the Coral Sea tends to uh, make landfall in Fiji. So the people in that area are getting coastal inundation as well as um, uh, riverways and waterways uh, uh, bursting streams. So it's a pretty difficult time for the people in the West. However, we're seeing uh, now lots of saturation in the Northern Division where it's been raining for too long. Uh, and so we're, we're seeing images come through from our infrastructural authorities showing some uh, pretty badly affected roads, some crossings and some bridges now getting affected by the continuous heavy rainfall. At this time of year, Fiji does see a lot of rain around, but is this sort of way more than what you you normally expect? This is definitely um, the middle of the Pacific cyclone season. So Fijians, like most other uh, Pacific Islanders, particularly in the more cyclone-prone areas of the Pacific, uh, we know to expect um, cyclones at this time. However, last year's uh, 2023, sorry, 2022-2023 cyclone outlook did point to a reduction in the severity of the systems we were going to get. Uh, however, as you know, we, we are coming off uh, what is meant to be um, a heavy rain period for the entire Pacific, which um, you know you guys are seeing over there in Australia and of course New Zealand is getting a battering off or, or just coming out of it. So we know to expect a lot of rain at this time. So this is not, um, while it's severe and our authorities have been working to address it and to mitigate the impacts of heavy rain, it's not uh, a surprise for us. We um, tend to get a lot of heavy rain as, as long as there is um, a trough of low pressure either around or directly over the islands. Have you been able to get out to some of these uh, impacted areas across Fiji and, and see what's happening on the ground? Unfortunately not. We I have not been out to the Western Division or, or to the Northern Division, but even here in the Central Eastern Division, where the capital Suva is, um, there's lots of flooding uh, as well, and, and it's meant disruption to services. It's meant, for example, disruption to schools. So um, the government shut down schools on, on Friday and over the weekend. Um, the entire nation, especially here in the Central Eastern Division as well, uh, were on notice to stay indoors and, and keep safe. But um, the worst hit parts of Fiji in the Western Division, no, I have not been there, unfortunately. Yeah, and that's probably because you simply can't get there. I suppose a lot of the roads are probably inundated or flooded at the moment too. That's right, and we are on notice to stay indoors and minimise uh, travel. What kind of advice has the National Disaster Management Office or the NDMO been giving out to people in Fiji during this event? The usual advice given as soon as we hit the Pacific cyclone period, which begins in November and ends in April, is always, uh, you know, have your emergency management act for your families um, in place and, and familiar to every member of the family and activated every time there is a warning. And so an alert was put out uh, two weeks ago that carried through from the from the earlier part of last week. But by the middle of last week, we were all put on warning. So that meant activating emergency management um, uh, plans 
And so that basically means be aware of the evacuation places that are in and around you, uh, be aware of the water level. So by the middle of last week, um, the media and, and other weather watchers were getting uh, two, three, four updates a day advising people as to the increase in water level. So there are very specific rivers around the country that tends to be uh, triggers of, of um, disaster activities and disaster events. So what people have been getting told is pay attention to the water levels of those particular uh, um problem areas in terms of problem waterways near you. But also the biggest advice is always keeping your children indoors and keeping people indoors. And the most important one, the most common one given to Fijians is don't take the risk of thinking you can cross uh, a flooded uh, uh, um, road because that still tends to happen here. And there's always, as it's happening right now, cars getting um, washed away and bridges getting destroyed and people thinking that you know they can handle the might to rivers and to cross anyway. So that's been the biggest advice coming from the NDMO is don't take the risk. Stay away from waterways. Is there any indication at the moment from authorities like the Met Service of of when this rain is actually set to ease off? Like are you are you set for a reprieve anytime soon? Well, on the weekend, the the alert had changed from worrying about the the strength of the winds picking up and worrying about coastal inundation as opposed to worrying about heavy rain. Um, Today, there hasn't been as many um, warnings as to uh, uh, water levels in and around the country as there were towards the end of last week. So it's beginning to ease off now. uh, But we also know to be aware of possible systems coming in um, so by the, the 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 weather could change very quickly from this morning where we saw some sun, and uh, now by you know towards the end of the day we've got overcast. Uh, ev- uh, weather everywhere and rain starting to come down again, um, but at the moment it is easing off from what it was like this time last week. ABC News reporter Lethe Mavono, based in Suva in Fiji, giving us the latest information on all the flooding that's been happening across the country recently. This is Pacific Prepared. We need to be prepared for the future. Helping you stay safe. We have built a seawall two times, but it did no good. What happens when something goes wrong and how do they respond to it? Plan this time before disaster strike. Every natural disaster gets worse. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared. Staying with the flooding in Fiji, a few weeks ago in Labasa in Vanua Levu, it was hit hard by flooding and the Chamber of Commerce president was out recently basically advising some of those businesses to look after their stock, but also to take care of their staff during times like this when roads can become flooded and people can be cut off from loved ones. Yes, my advice to my business communities in the Northern Division, but not only in the Northern Division, all over the Fiji, please take precautions Try and get your stocks on a higher level uh, just to avoid that uh, any loss or things like that. And if you think your staffs are there and they won't be able to reach their place in the afternoon uh, due to this weather, I think you better release them and let them go home safely in our favour. And due to this uh, weather, the business in the Northern Division is very down. But uh, we can't do much. Some, uh, someone else is controlling. Let's control by God. 
and then uh, we are doing our best to do business and uh, to revive the economy of Fiji. But my advice to everyone, the whole public, please take precautions, don't move around. We don't need any accidents and no one wants to lose your loved ones. Labasa Chamber of Commerce President Satish Kumar and thanks to the Fijian Broadcasting Corporation for that audio as well. The time to prepare is now, not right before an emergency. No electricity, nothing whatsoever. You are listening to Pacific Prepared. When there is a disaster or some sort of extreme weather happening around you, there are so many ways of getting messages across to people now. I wonder how you decide where you're going to get those messages from. Is there a certain place or a person that you turn to for information? Some places in the Pacific have quite a systematic way of doing this, going through certain people and then to the next person and the next person and so on and so on. This reminded me of a conversation that I had in Fiji recently, getting an explanation of how one small village dealt with disaster messages. I'm Kitty and I'm from Suvavo village. What are your kind of thoughts on disaster preparedness? Like, what do you know what to do if something happens, or how do you, and how do you get that information for, for you? Um, so we have um, in the community we have the village headman, the Turanganikoro. So if there is a disaster, he is the one who um, sends out the message to all the community members, and um, we have the places where we assemble at, and then um, we. Then he relays the protocols of what needs to be done. So how does that message actually get to the community? Like, does somebody come around to you and and just talk to you? Is there some sort of, like, text message that comes out or...? So, uh, yes, normally, because now we have uh, accessibility to phones, uh, we have sort of our reps in our corners of the village, in our smaller communities, and then um, he relays the message to them and then they relay the message to to their neighbours. It just comes around and says, hey, this is happening now. This is what you need to do. Exactly, that's how it... And are people kind of, are they accepting of that? Are they kind of, do they accept that there's, that the warning is official and something is actually going to happen? Or do they think, oh, well, I don't need to worry about that today, you know, like this is only a bit of wind or whatever? I think in the past that um, it used to happen that way, but now with the... Disasters becoming more happening more frequently. Uh, people really take it seriously, and so when uh, a warning comes like that, people start to make move and try follow instructions and do whatever needs to be done. And, and you as well, Kitty, are you kind of like when when something happens or there's a warning out? Do you kind of go around to your friends and family and are you kind of telling them, look, this is happening. We need to do something. Or yes, we do. We use the phone a lot. We call our families, and uh, yeah, we try and. Uh, yeah, inform our neighbours and whoever we can't get, we reach them through phone. That's what basically happens. And how do you feel, sort of, just generally speaking? I know it's a it's a broad question, but living in Fiji, it's a, it's a pretty vulnerable place to natural disasters. How do you feel about living in a place that is so vulnerable and and being in this country? Uh, I think the great thing is that the NDMO, NDMO and other organisations. Uh, uh, NGOs. They've done a lot of work around disaster preparedness. And so I think it's really come down to grassroots level and people at grassroots level uh, pretty much um, have ideas of how to mitigate all these risks and everything. Yeah. And um, yeah, there's plenty of knowledge going around, plenty of training. Yeah. And so people are more aware and more alert and more ready when disaster happens. And do you feel safe, just generally speaking? I do. Yeah. Yeah. 
I do because um, it's not only me, it's everybody, everyone in the villages and everyone in our family. Um, we all talk the same language when it comes to disaster and because of the awareness that's happened so much over the years through the government and the other um, organizations, it, we feel much safer, more ready as well. And just practically, what sort of things do you do? Things to your homes, if you know there's something happening, do you? Is it, are there things that you go to do first? Like, for example, like taping the windows up, or I mean, boarding the windows up. Are there things like that that you do to your homes if something is happening? So we always have the youth, uh, the youths in our villages, and when that happens, the village headman calls all the youths, and they gather, and then they go to. They start with the the homes where they're most vulnerable. There's no men in the home, single moms, the older ones, and they come and help us around. And they come to our homes and ask us if there's anything they need to help in putting up windows, all these things, putting up all the latches and everything, uh, shutters and everything. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty, people are pretty much getting used to disaster. Yeah. It sounds like it's a, a bit of a routine now for you yeah. guys. Yeah, Exactly. A Fijian village resident explaining the disaster messaging process for her local community. Disaster is part of our life, and recovering is also part of our life. As you see, they're smiling despite the devastation. That's how we are. You are listening to Pacific Prepare. We heard recently from Mia Kami. She's a singer-songwriter from Tonga, and she's been able to use her art in a space that's normally reserved for politicians and scientists. History repeats itself if we don't tread carefully. In this part of the chat with Mia, she talks about the frustration of getting people outside the Pacific to understand what it's like on the ground. And she uses her music to help her make those points. I think we're currently in the digital age where it's really hard to keep people's attention because there's just so much going on and information is so accessible. Like you could be learning about one thing one hour before and then the next hour you're learning about something totally different. So, um, yeah, I, 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 it's, it's so unfortunate because you wish you could focus on one thing, but there's just too much going on. And that makes the fight a little bit more difficult. But, I mean, the best you can do is just keep, keep doing it. So how do you then, I guess, I think we sort of asked, touched on this before, but how do you kind of change the, the message or get the message across more so? Because, you, you know, you're in a really good position at the moment as an artist who's been traveling around the world, doing all kinds of really interesting, cool things. How do you then manage to get your message across to people in that, in that same sense? Yeah, no, like I said, the, it's storytelling and reclaiming that narrative that we only matter because we're, at, we're like dying. It's reclaiming the narrative and rewriting it as people that are resilient and people that have the power to to persevere. And I think Tonga's response after the volcano is a perfect example of that. It's uh, Fiji is a perfect example after Cyclone Winston. Um, there's just so much that has happened in the region where we were not meant to be there anymore. We could have disappeared completely. And yet our people pushed through. And so I feel like um, with music, it's, it's rerouting the narrative away from the idea that we're a sub-story and bringing it back to who we really are, which is resilient people. And so um, I'm very lucky that I can do that through music. And I think it's also just a reminder that we're human and we're not stats, we're not data, 
we are real people living these real experiences that a lot of the outside world is quite detached from because they haven't felt the impacts the way that we have just yet, just yet, because it's coming to them, but they haven't felt it as quickly as we have. Well, I mean, realistically, everyone is already experiencing the changes. Just on different levels. Just at different levels, yeah. And so for us, like, so I lived in Fiji long enough. I've lived in Fiji 14 years. And so I can remember from the first time we moved there to now, there is already an obvious change in how many cyclones we experience a year. Like, I can already feel that difference. Um, my, my grandparents would be able to say that in their time, the experience that they had with cyclones, it was far less severe. It was so rare to have anything above, like, a Category 4 or even above a Category 3. Um, and so for us, like, we're experiencing that level of, um, of seriousness, right? And then you have, like, other countries, like, New York is having its, like, warmest autumn season at the moment. And so, I mean, just having people sort of just think about like, it, was it like this, this this time last year? Was it like this this time two years ago? And forcing people to really think about their surroundings and their environment because it's so easy to kind of not think about it. You know, you're just like, ah, it's just one of those days. It's just weirdly hot today. Or like the weather's been pretty strange. That cyclone was weirdly timed. Like it's really easy to just kind of play it off as like weird coincidence. But the reality is it's, it's climate change and everything that happens quote unquote randomly isn't random and we it could have been preventable um but you know people don't listen enough do you also get kind of i guess inspiration and ideas from people that you speak to uh maybe in villages particularly here in tonga as well like affected villages um from the tsunami and the earthquake that uh, the, the eruption that happened do you kind of meet people and talk to people and, and think, oh, I should put that into something. I should, I should add that into my, story, my, my song. Or do you kind of take those ideas and, and sort of mix them with your own? Um, sort of, sometimes. Um, I haven't had a lot of opportunities to, to do outreach. Um, and this is mostly just because of my own schedule. And, and I was in uni in Fiji as well. Like I was studying and there's a lot of there's a lot of commitment that I unfortunately couldn't put myself into at the time. But based on the stories that we do here, you know, because we, we do have people that speak and, you know, I'm able to attend as an audience member. Um, yeah, sometimes I do, but most times it's uh, what I do like to push more is the collective, the collective feeling, the collective thought, because um, we're raised in a community like the way that we say, like you're raised by your village and your village backs you always. And so um, it's, it's nice to think of it in a way where, I, like I said, I write, I start with like the personal and then it goes into community and then it goes into like, how can the outside of my community empathize, right? And so, um, yeah, so a lot of the time I think of like collective, like what's the general thought within my community or what's the general feeling? It's, it's a lot of dot connecting is kind of what it is. Uh, is there something that you've heard in your sort of travels around when you've been, I guess, you know, campaigning and advoca advocating for climate change in the Pacific particularly? Is, have you heard another speech where you've just gone, oh, wow, that's amazing. That was, that was sort of, that changed my thought process on that. Has there been something like that for you? Yes. Uh, the last one, actually, the recent trip, um, Prime Minister Mia Motley of Barbados 
Uh, she also received an award at our event, and she said a speech, and it was phenomenal. She was saying all of the right things, and it was, um, and you could tell she wasn't speaking off of a prompter, like off of the teleprompter. And because of it, like you could feel the heart, you could feel the soul, you could feel the urgency to get the work done. And I also think that because of where she's from, there's also that connection of where our islands are both at risk. You know, our our region is both at at the same level of risk, and um, and her passion was just, oh, it was admirable. Yeah, yeah it was inspiring. Yeah. What's next for the sort of next maybe year, two years for you? Have you got what are your plans in place? Well, at the moment, um, I'm kind of just finding my feet, being back in Tonga, first. Um, but I would like to get more involved with the community here. But the great thing about the work that I'm doing here uh, as a teacher at Dupo College is Dupo College starts at the grassroots level and makes its way up. So I'm seeing a level of the community that I didn't see while I was here as a kid. Um, not, I mean, I, I was raised in Kolomotua, but the level of grassroots that you see in Toloa and the kids that come to that school, like I, I wouldn't have understood the depth of that at the age that I was when we were here before, before we moved to Fiji. And so what I would really like to do is start from the grassroots and work my way up in terms of just working with the community and trying to really live the true Tongan experience because the last thing that I want is to travel and say I'm representing Tonga when really I spent more time in Fiji than I did in Tonga. And so for the next two, three years, I'd like to just be in Tonga, like just be Tongan, yeah. be Tongan again, uh, whether that means being a teacher for the next two, three years while also still writing and traveling every now and then. But my main priority is living the Tongan experience again, uh, reconnecting with my roots, um, my identity, and just kind of understanding what it means to be a Tongan while living in Tonga because it was already very difficult trying to understand how to be a Tongan in Fiji amongst a Tongan community that was based in Fiji as well. And then now I'm here, it's like a completely different, completely different environment um, in terms of like the nuances and the context and whatnot. And so, yeah, I just want to be Tongan. I just want to be a Tongan in Tonga. How long does it take to sort of fully integrate, do you think? I mean, you've been here since, I think you said May? Um, well... <laughs> I've been here since May, and the first half I was like, this is great, this is going to be so easy. Um, but I think that was the excitement and the adrenaline sort of just like pushing me through. But then now that that's kind of worn off and I'm like, oh, I'm actually living in Tonga now. Uh, there's a lot of anxieties that come with with sort of reconnecting and, refind and finding your feet again in a place that is very different from my life in Fiji. Um, and it's, it's, it's a very humbling experience, really, because there's so much here that I can't do that I could do in Fiji, or there's so much that I couldn't do in Fiji that I can do here. And so it's, um, it's hard to say how long it would take, because I feel like it could either take another, like, three months or another three years. Yeah, yeah because I spent so long in Fiji, too. So, you know, I, I can't take a part of Suva out of me, because I was basically, I spent a lot of my developmental stages there. But at the same time, I, I do appreciate that there's still a lot of time for growth here as well. I mean, I'm only 24, you know, who knows? Yeah. I could do another year of just growing and figuring myself out here. The difference that we need, the change that we can.
Tongan singer-songwriter Mia Kami, and it sounds like her guitar is one of the best things to help get her messages out about the Pacific. I'm just holding on for dear life here. For women, it's always safety first. They are the first responder. You're listening to Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared is supported by the Pacific Media Assistance Scheme with funding from the Australian Government's Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade. Any views expressed do not necessarily represent those of PACMAS or the Australian Government. It's produced and distributed in partnership with Radio Australia and networks across the Pacific, including Radio New Zealand Pacific, NBC Papua New Guinea, Palau Wave Radio, Capital FM 107 Vanuatu, FBC Fiji. Samoa National Radio 2AP, SIBC Solomon Islands Broadcasting Corporation and TBC Tonga. Part of the aim of this program is to start conversations about disasters. What will people do and how will they prepare for them? My name's Fred Hooper. Please share any information that you've learned today and stay safe. This has been Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared.